0: And I want to wish each and every one of you a happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. We live in the land of the free because it is the home of the brave. And I wonder if we couldn't just give a hand clap of thanksgiving for the nation that God allows us to live in. Amen. Amen. Orcon, I loved your post yesterday on Facebook. Orcon was born in Turkey, raised in Germany and immigrated to this great nation. And uh, if you have time, go read his eloquent words about why this nation stands out and why we are truly a blessed people to live in the United States of America. Amen. Does it have blemishes? Yes, everywhere it does. But we are blessed to live in the land of the free. Amen? Amen. Today I'm gonna to be reading from Mark chapter number nine. and. As I was traveling home, we, we drove all the way from Arizona. I wouldn't recommend it, um, especially if you have children. Um, plane tickets don't seem that expensive after you've driven for several days with children in the car. But um, the Lord began to talk to me as I was driving home and put a, a word in my spirit and in my heart for our church today. And I want to share it with you. I'm, I'm not going to read uh, very much. I'm just going to cherry pick two or three scriptures out of Matthew chapter 9, and it's a great chapter of Scripture detailing the healing of the woman with the issue of blood and the daughter of Jairus. In Matthew 9, 18, the Bible says, while Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but listen to this, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Somebody say, she will live. Then in Matthew 9:21, fast-forwarding through the passage, on the way to Jairus' house, along comes a woman in the press, and she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Somebody say, I will be made well. She had a declaration of faith, that if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And Matthew 9, 24, Jesus arrives at Jairus' house and he says this, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but is sleeping. Three faith declarations where three individuals in the same passage of Scripture called their shot. They spoke it, and then it happened. Had their issues, their reasons not to believe, but they each made a faith declaration. And when they did so, it happened just as they had spoken. Today, here's what I want to talk to you about I want to preach to you about talking to your future. There are people here that are standing between a broken past and an unsure future, and I I want to preach in the Holy Ghost. Can we do that? Can we have church today? I want to preach in the Holy Ghost to somebody's spirit, that you need to talk to your future. You need to start speaking faith to some things that look like they are dead. You need to start speaking faith to situations that look like they are unsolvable. Somebody say, talk to your future. God we pray right now for your presence to fill this room. God. We ask only that your will would be done in this place. God, that your will would be accomplished, and God, that you would do something of eternal significance in this room today. God, let this moment be a turning point in somebody's faith, God, in somebody's heart, and in somebody's life. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask it in faith, and everybody that believed it, would you say amen as you're seated. You know, words can change your life. Does anybody believe that? Words can absolutely change your life. Orcon, I'm going to pick on you. We stood behind a window Friday evening and watched as Orkan took a knee before uh, the beautiful lady sitting to his right. Those of you who can't see him, uh, she's there and she's still here, so good news. But Orkan got down and asked some words that will forever change his life. Will you marry me? Anybody ever asked that question? Honey, go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> Changes your life. Words have the ability. When you said, I do, it changed your life. When someone said you're hired, it might have changed your life. If you don't believe that words can change your life, husbands, has your wife ever asked, do I look fat in this? <laughs> Those words, you could carefully respond because they can change your life. Words have the ability to impact our tomorrows and Listen, the writers of the Declaration of Independence could not have known how their words would change the course of history. It was a breaking point between the past and the future. And because of the tyranny of a king and kingdom that consistently ran over the rights of its American colonies the, uh, and denied and delayed justice within their borders, the members of those 13 small colonies had finally come together against the heavy hand of the British Empire. And they were quickly declared rebels. They had even been attacked, but drawn together by their common fight, the Continental Congress commissioned the writing of a document that we now call the Declaration of Independence. It was authored by five men, although Thomas Jefferson is often called the author of the Declaration of Independence, he was actually but a member of a five-person committee appointed to the Continental Congress to write the Declaration. The committee included Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Robert Livingston, and Roger Sherman. These five men authored many of the ideas that are now ingrained into the thinking of American politics, such as the sentiment that government can only rule by the consent of the people. Can I get an amen? They wrote that all men are created equal. And ultimately, the most important feature of the Declaration of Independence is that together, the authors, signers, and Continental Congress were agreeing that from that day forward, they were shrugging off the rulership of the king. And declaring that they would fight for freedom from that kind of oppression from that day forward. It was a pivotal point in our history. The line in the sand. The breaking point from the past that declaration would send shockwaves through the American colonies. And once the Declaration of Independence had been written and signed, printer John Dunlap was asked to make 200 copies to be distributed throughout the colonies. These Dunlap broadsides were distributed, and the word of the declaration spread from house to house, from village to village, and men began to rise to the occasion of freedom. Freedom would not come cheap for them. Young men throughout the colonies would have to be willing to pay with their very lives because, listen, freedom is never free. It always comes at a price. And there was indeed a price to pay for those who dared to declare that they were free. Consider what happened to the 56 men Who dared to sign the Declaration of Independence? Five signers were captured by British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve of them had their homes captured, uh, ransacked, and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army, and another had two sons that were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed a declaration, and in doing so, pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to their very last breath, to see that this declaration would not just be empty words written on a page, but that that declaration would change their future. Twenty-four of these men were lawyers and jurists 11 were merchants 9 were farmers they were all men of means well educated but they signed the declaration of independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they would ever be captured. Carter Braxton, one of the signers from Virginia, was a wealthy planter and trader and he saw his ship swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and property to pay his debt and died as a pauper in rags because he signed the Declaration of Independence. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in Congress without pay. Amen. Maybe we should go back to that. Amen. And his family was kept in hiding. He was no career politician, but his possessions were taken from him. And poverty was his reward. uh, Vandals and soldiers looted the properties also of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett. Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. And at the battle of Yorktown, time, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British, General Cornwallis had taken over his family home for his headquarters. And standing quietly next to General George Washington urged him to open fire on his childhood home. The home was destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife and she died a few months later While in prison, John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields were laid to waste. And for more than a year, he lived in forests and in caves, returning home to find his wife dead. His children scattered and vanished. And a few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Listen, these were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution. They were not wild-eyed rebels. They were soft-spoken men of means and of education. They had security. But because they believed in the cause of liberty more than they desired comfort, they put their name on a declaration that would change their reality. Today we understand their strength and sacrifice of those men who gave their lives in the American Revolution. That though they were not perfect, they have given us great nation we are blessed to live in that freedom that they once declared freedom to worship God without oversight and instruction of the government and listen as the government encroaches on that we will resist because we believe in the message of freedom of worship freedom to pursue our dreams and hopes freedom from oppression These men could not have imagined the full measure of what that one declaration would lead to. They were just 13 small colonies with a population of about two and a half million. They would be shocked to know that those thirteen small colonies would expand one day across the continent, encompassing now fifty states and other territories, holding three hundred plus million people and approximately three hundred eighty million square miles. They could not have known that that small group of rebels would become a world power winning multiple world wars, becoming leaders in innovation and advanced technology. They could not have known what that one declaration would lead to. They could not have fathomed the America that would arise from a declaration of a principle, of a guiding belief, of a guiding set of values that would make this nation one day what it would become. There was world-shaking, life-changing power in the words written on that page. It was the pivotal, seminal moment that led from a broken past to a brighter future. And it's no coincidence that words were the bridge from there to here. Because the words that we speak to our future, they matter. They matter. The words that we speak to our tomorrows matter. They have the ability to shape and to form our future. They, they, the early Americans weren't just speaking to their oppressors. But they were talking to their future. And ladies and gentlemen. This is how change happens. Words are more than words. Bound up in our words are the contents of our hearts. Jesus reveals to us that out of the abundance. Or out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks and when we are standing between a broken past and an unsure future the words that come flowing out of us reveal who we really are and what we're really about the words we speak to our past and the words we speak concerning our future reveal the inner condition of our heart and they shape the outcome of our future Proverbs eighteen twenty one in the English Standard Version says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruits words the scripture is telling us have the ability to awaken our faith to establish our hope to bring us out of yesterday's defeat and to proclaim tomorrow's victory words they have power to change they impact how we see where we have been and how we see where we are going and whenever God set about to do a new thing in the scripture among his people it always started with words it always began with words God sent preachers and prophets, and we call them words of prophecy because we have the benefit of hindsight. We see that the things that God declared to Abraham, they came to pass just as he said they would. We see that the promises that he made to Israel came to pass just as he said they would. That's why we call them words of prophecy. Because God was putting forth some things that would come to pass. God was speaking some things into reality that would one day come to exist. There was no evidence of it yet. But Abraham you're old your wife is old. You're so old. You've been a long time past social security. But listen Abraham you're going to have a son and God called things into existence that did not exist by the power of his words words matter somebody say words matter we see the words that God spoke to his people came to pass and from hindsight we call them prophecy but for them they look more like declarations that they were willing to give everything to live for Romans 4:17 says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, and in the presence of God, whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. How did change begin in Abraham, the fatherless's life? How did it change for him? It changed when God started talking to Abraham's future. You are not a father now, but you will be. You have no children now. Now, but I'm giving you a son. And God began to call things that were not into existence. You see when God goes to change a future. He starts with words. He calls things into existence that do not exist. He starts talking to the future. He starts talking to your tomorrows. The scripture decri- describes it as the calling and election. Romans 5, 6 tells us, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But listen to this, Romans 5:8, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The scripture says we are justified by his blood. That when we come to Jesus in faith, we are justified. Somebody say justified. That word in the Greek is diakosis, which means a making right or just, a declaration of rightness or justice, an acquittal, an acceptance, a justification. This means that when we come to God in faith, when we turn our heart from our own way to the living God, what happens is when we believe on Jesus in faith, he makes a declaration over us. Romans 5 tells us all men have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans four does. Romans 5 tells us, because of Adam's sin, we're all sinners. We have no right to approach God. We have no access to the throne of God. but when we put our faith in Jesus and we put our hope in Him, what he does is he declares us righteous. He declares us acquitted. Are we sinful? Yes. But at the moment of faith and repentance, what God does is He says... He declares us righteous. Are we there yet? No. Are we washed yet? No. But he begins to speak of us as if we are. He begins to receive us as if we are. That's what justification is. It's God says, I know you've sinned. I know you don't have it all together. I know you don't have it all right. But I am receiving you and acquitting you from everything that you've done because you put your faith and hope in me. When God goes to change a life, He starts with words. And I am justified. When we come to Him in faith, though I'm a sinner, He makes a declaration over my life that though I am a sinner, I am accepted. I am acquitted. I am righteous. Not because I have earned it not because I have redeemed myself but through his shed blood the scripture tells me that I can boldly approach the throne and when we put our faith in him God declares us righteous he confers a status to us which we have not yet attained he starts talking to our future in order to bring us out of our past he begins to receive us as if we've already been washed in the precious waters of baptism as if we've already he been baptized by his spirit from the beginning. God says that he is talking to our future. He is calling us what we are not so that we can become that. You see, the message that God gave me today is that we need to start talking to our future. Many of us are living between the brokenness of yesterday and the possibility of tomorrow. And listen, complaining isn't the answer. Anybody ever complain? Is there anybody alive in this room that's ever complained? Complaining isn't the answer. Scripture tells us that Israel lost their lives between the past and the promise because they couldn't stop talking about the past and start believing in the future. They had seen the miraculous hand of God bring them out of, Israel, uh, out of Egypt and Israel was under the cloud walking in the protection of God's divine plan. But the Bible says they began to murmur. And they began to speak uh, and say, I wish we were back in Eden. It was better if we had never started. I want to tell you, if you live for Jesus very long, you'll have that sentiment at some time or another. Maybe it would have been easier if we had just stayed oppressed. Complaining wasn't the answer. They murmured about their past rather than speaking to their future. And listen, no matter how broken your past is, God has a better tomorrow for you. He has a bigger vision for you, a better calling for you, a brighter future for you. But when what we declare while we are standing between the past and the future can determine our outcome, what we have to say about our situation and to our circumstances can determine whether we come out as pure gold or whether we never come out at all. No matter how broken your past is, God has a better future. And in the middle of a messed up life, I love this, Job made a declaration. Scripture tells us he had lost his family to tragedy, watched his wealth dry up, and saw his health quickly decline and fade away. His past was telling him that his tomorrow was going to be more of the same, but there in the middle of the mess with friends all around him telling him he should probably give up, that he should probably hang it up and go home, that he should probably just curse God and die. In the middle of the pain and in the middle of the struggle, knowing that it might never change, knowing that it might never relent, that it might never give, Job in the middle of the mess. He looks up and he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What are you talking about, Job? What are you saying? Uh, here's what Job was doing: is Job was talking to his future. He did not know what tomorrow held. He did not know what misfortune might come. He had had a long history of seeing things turn for the worse. He had a lot of voices in his ears telling him to curse God and die. But Job looked at his broken yesterday and looked at his unsure tomorrow, and Job made a declaration. In the middle of the mess. He said, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what it cost me. I don't care how bad it starts to hurt. I don't even care if God himself kills me. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job was telling his future that I am not giving up. I am not backing off of my faith. I am not giving up on my God. And no matter how bad it gets, no matter if I take my last breath, I'm talking to my future today that no matter what happens to me, it's not going to shake my trust in God. It's not going to change my commitment to a better and brighter future. It's not going to change what I think about who my God is, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Is anybody hearing me today? Joe, it wasn't just empty words of blab it and grab it. I know what some of y'all already were thinking. Y'all were thinking, man, he's just, he's talking that blab it and grab it stuff like, Lord, Cadillac right now. Blab it and grab it. Name it and claim it. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you so believe that God is able to do something that you are willing to suffer and sacrifice everything that you are and everything that you have to live to see that reality. In Matthew 9, Jairus' daughter was lying on her deathbed. And he had no more hope. Doctors couldn't fix her. They, they had no answers. And jo, uh, or, or Jairus walks up to Jesus. And in the middle of his dying daughter uh, laying on a bed a few miles away, jo, uh, Jairus walks up to Jesus and he says, this he says, if you will just lay your hand on my daughter, she will live. Not that she will die, but he said, if you will come touch her, she will live. Jarius was talking to his future. He was saying that if God wills it, she will die. But God is able to heal her and to raise her up. And Jarius was talking to his future because he was facing the brokenness of Past. It was more than words. It was the abundance of the heart spilling out into vocalized words. He was talking to his future. He was saying that all my hope is in Jesus. All my faith is in Jesus. That he can touch this girl and she can live again. That she can be raised up again. And Jarius made a declaration of faith in possibly the worst moment of his life. Watching his 12-year-old daughter face her end. I love, this is one of my favorite chapters of Scripture. I probably preach it way too much. But I I love this symmetry in Matthew 9. Because... As Jairus walks up to Jesus, he's got a dying 12-year-old. But on the other side of the crowd somewhere, there's a little woman who for the same amount of time, 12 years, has been fighting an issue of blood. And she had spent many things, all of her money, and seen many physicians, and she had nothing left to throw at her problem. And on the other side of the crowd that Jesus is standing on, Jairus is talking with Jesus, but somewhere back behind the press, behind the multitudes gathered around him, is this lady that is at her wit's end. She doesn't know what to do next. She's tried everything she knows how to do. And she says in her heart, you know what? I don't know where else to turn, but if I can just touch The hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Doctors couldn't help me. Uh, Money, throwing money at the problem, couldn't help me. I have no answers, but I have a faith declaration in the middle of my mess that looking at a broken past and and an unsure future, I don't know what's going to happen, but I declare this day that if I can just get a hold of the hem of his garment, I shall be. It's incredible symmetry there because here you have one person who brings the problem of a dying future and on the other hand you have someone who brings the need of a broken past and listen to me both of them meet at Jesus and standing in the middle of broken past and unsure future you find this chapter filled with faith declarations And I feel like what the scripture is telling us is that when we're not sure what tomorrow holds and we're not comfortable with the life that we've been living and we're tired of the oppression of sin and the bondage and the shame of our past, when we're ready to break free from a broken yesterday into a brighter future, our answer lies in our faith. Our answer lies in words that will flow out of us because some of us, what we actually do is in the middle of our mess, we start saying things like I'll never make it out of this. Things will never change. Things will never change. I've tried everything I know how to do. and You talk to your spouse and you say, I don't know if we'll ever get past this. But I've come to preach to somebody in the middle of yesterday and tomorrow that your words will make a difference and not just empty words of name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, Lord, give me a bigger check, and all of that stuff, but no, I'm talking about words of faith that are centered on Jesus. That when we speak God into our circumstances and speak faith into our situation, we don't see the outcome of it. We don't see the impact of it. We don't know what's on the other side of it. Jarius didn't know the life that his daughter would live. And the attention that this miracle would bring he didn't know that thousands of years later his declaration of faith would be a source of inspiration for modern day believers he didn't see all that all he saw was in this pivotal moment I choose to believe in this pivotal moment I choose to pin my hopes and dreams on something bigger and better In each case, the outcome of their miracle matched the words that they spoke in the middle of the mess. And I'm preaching to someone today that you need to start talking to your future. Musicians, please come. You need to start talking to your future. You know, when Jesus spoke about faith, he spoke to the fig tree. Peter was blown away. I mean... Jesus cursed the fig tree because it had not brought forth figs. And several days later, they came back by the same tree and it was dried from its roots up. And Peter's like, Jesus, the figs are gone, it's dead. And Jesus took the opportunity to reveal something about faith. He says to Peter, Peter, if you will believe in your heart speak to a mountain that if you say in your heart to this mountain be thou removed and you believe it in your heart the mountain will move what do you say Jesus Jesus didn't tell Peter to talk about the mountain it's what we do we get on the phone we discuss the mountain I've got this obstacle in my life this problem we go to a council we talk about the problem but what Jesus tells Peter is when there is something insurmountable in your life, you've got to start talking to your future. You've got to start talking to your circumstance. You've got to start believing in something bigger and greater, and you don't even know, and you don't even understand the impact that it will have on your family, and that it will have on your future. You don't even know what it may cost you, but you're saying, I am in. I believe that whatever it takes, I'm putting my hope, I'm putting my trust, And my faith in Jesus. Romans 10 tells us the word of faith is near you, it's in your heart and even in your mouth. And so you aren't just speaking empty words and empty wishes, but you are saying, This is what I am committed to. This is what I am living for. This is what I have set my heart on. This is what I'm willing to pay the price for. My marriage will survive. My sickness will... I'm talking to my faith today that though He slay me, though He never changes it, though He never rearranges it, I am declaring that I will trust in Him no matter what life throws at me, no matter if cancer doesn't go away, I'm going to trust in Him. I'm talking to my future. I'm talking to my circumstance. Stand with me across this room. These final moments, I, I carry you with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, where God transports. Uh, Ezekiel said, God, grabbed me up. He, he grabbed me up and he transported me to this valley. And Ezekiel stood in a unique place. He was looking at the bones of the past, an army that had fallen there by the hand of an enemy, looking at brokenness and looking at struggle and. Looking at the end result of death, looking at all of that, and God says to him, he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, you know, Lord, thou knowest, Lord, I don't know, but you know. You know how you know when you're not really sure about something? When God asks you a question, the pitch of your voice, yeah, goes up, right? Live. I, I, don't, I don't know, Scott. I don't know. Can it ever change? I don't know, it's Lord. I, I have no idea. That's Ezekiel. He's, he doesn't. He's not sure. But I love this. God will take a yes with a question mark. I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. He'll take a yes with a question mark. You don't have to have it all figured out. But what He's asking Ezekiel is, do you trust and believe in Me enough to believe that I can? do this and he says thou knowest more and God speaks to Ezekiel and he says here's what I want you to do Ezekiel you see the brokenness of the past but I want you to start talking to the bones he says I want you to speak to the valley of dry bones, bones come upon bone and flesh come upon flesh and come back together again start talking to the past and Ezekiel starts speaking to the past and when he speaks the word of God I want you to pay attention, when he speaks the word of God, he's not entirely sure. You know what the scripture calls that? Faith. Even when you're not entirely sure, but you still obey, that is faith. That is what faith is. And Ezekiel's not sure, but he says, okay, God. I'll start talking to the circumstance. I'll start talking to the bones. And when Ezekiel does, he speaks the word of God. And when he speaks the word of God, bone comes upon bone, and flesh comes upon flesh. And the ground begins to quake and everything begins to come back together again not because Ezekiel is a man of great faith but because he has agreed with the word of God not because he's naming it and claiming it but because God put something in his heart that he was willing to speak out of his mouth and when Ezekiel agreed with God the bones came back together again says they stood as a great army but there was no breath in them. Listen, God will never complete a miracle that you don't need him for. Sometimes we think, and I pray you haven't thought this, that I'm just going to go out of here and I'm going to start saying stuff and it's all going to happen. Because God speaks to Ezekiel again. Some miracles can happen by the spoken word of faith that agrees with the revealed will of God. But listen to this. God says to Ezekiel, there is no breath in them Now I want you to start talking to the wind. I want you to speak to the wind and call the four winds to come and breathe the breath of life in them. What is God trying to say through this thing that Ezekiel is doing? He's saying that in faith we can speak some things but he will never deliver us a miracle that makes him unnecessary in our life. What we then have to do is invite the spirit to call the wind to start speaking to God. So what do I have to do in the middle of my mess? What do I have to to do is i stand in faith believing and i declare That my marriage will be healed That my future will be brighter That my career will take a turn That God will use me for His calling and purpose That He will deliver on every promise that He's made in my life And then I invite His Spirit into my heart And into my life Because I can't make it without His wind I can't move without His wind I can't do anything without His Spirit, I just feel like the Lord gave me a word for somebody today. You need to start talking to your future. Is anybody here that just would slip up your hand? We're going to pray before we dismiss and just say, Lord, I want to start talking to my circumstances. I want to start talking to my past, and I'm going to start speaking to my future. God, right now you see people standing in the valley of decision standing in the valley of dry bones God you see people that don't know how to fix what what they've been through and where they came from God you see people who don't know how to get to where you've called them to go but God in the middle of it all Lord we are going to declare faith today are going to speak God that it shall be done let the weak say I am strong God let the poor say I am rich come on in the name of Jesus God we pray right now and we begin to declare some things over our family my children will be saved my family will serve the Lord I am blessed when I come and when I go he he, I, I am blessed in my downfalling and in my uprising, Lord, I come to agree with your word that I am not forgotten, that I am not forsaken, that you will never leave me nor forsake me, God, I declare in the spirit today that I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I believe in Jesus' name. I wonder if somebody just couldn't thank him right now. We Thank you, Jesus. We give you honor and glory. Come on, would you just lift your hands and praise him right now? We're going to dismiss in a second. Ushers, get ready at the rear doors. But can we just praise him for a better tomorrow? Come on, somebody in the middle of your mess, you've been struggling with faith. But I just wonder if you could just praise him in advance. That's prophetic. God, I praise you in advance. I praise you, God, that you're working all things for my good. I praise you, God, that I'm coming out of this better than I went in, in Jesus' name. If you receive it today, would you say amen? God bless you. We're going to dismiss. We ask you to uh, to give in the tithe and offering if you are able, and we pray blessing over it in Jesus' name. Would you declare faith? in your family this week? Would you talk to your future this week? Happy Independence Day. May God richly bless and keep every one of you in Jesus' name.